everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. And today we're wrapping up our coverage of the Evangelion Rebuild by Hideyako Anno. And today we're talking about Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 Thrice Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. So Daniel... That is uh, the real name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you have the IMDb pulled up yet, but would I you do, like to I read do. us the IMDb synopsis? All right. The fourth and final installment of the rebuild of Evangelion, Masato and our anti-nerve group, Wile, I think it's Wile, uh, in the American yeah. dub, arrive in Paris, a city now red from corization. <laughs> uh, crew from the flagship Wunder land on a containment tower. That's like not at all. This is terrible. Yeah, that's terrible not. Description. That's so fucking bad. It's not. Yeah, there's so much going on in this movie. Um, yeah this is yeah i think we could give a better summary of what this movie is than what that is i although could you like all right let's let's see if you could do like okay give me a give me a summary of this movie. so oh, one my sentence, summary possibly two cents synopsis so after a bunch of impacts shinji <laughs> and his friends wrap up the 20 plus year series of evangelion in the best way that they could <laughs> okay <laughs> hmm it's tough. It's a tough one because there's just there's so much weight on this movie. And there's so, so much going on that there's this like two sentences. Just like yeah, let's just sidestep that and just yeah, let's talk about 20, 20 minutes of this two and a half hour movie. One second, I thought I muted my notifications here, but apparently I didn't. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So what did you think of Evangelion? Uh, 3.0 plus 1.0, thrice upon a time. Honestly, I wanted to, like, rag on this and hate it, but it won me over at a few really crucial points in this movie where I was really cynical. Like, I started watching this once, and then I kind of turned it off because I was like, I think I'd rather just do something else. I didn't quite have the attention span to do it. I saw the run time as two and a half hours, yeah. and I just, I wasn't quite prepared for it. But once I sort of sat down, and actually I broke it up into three seatings where I sort of watched the first hour and it kind of broke up the last hour and a half into two seats and it kind of helped a little bit because there's just a lot to sort of digest and there is a, a nice like middle point where it sort of stops and so i do like that i think this movie does course correct a lot from the, mm -hmm. the last one there is like i said there's a lot of things this movie has to do and accomplish like the laundry list of things this movie needs to do or theoretically could do is just insanely long and i think the direction that it goes in is a rather sweet direction and i it did it is a little clunky to stumble in that direction but in the end at the end like i was totally on board like i think this is a really solid evangelion film i think it's a really good way to sort of wrap everything up i kind of it's easy to to sort of break apart and point out things that are wrong with this movie but for what it is i think it is like a really solid way to sort of close the chapter on what Evangelion is because you sort of get a little bit of everything you get a little bit of the deep emotional stuff you get the phil the philosophy you get some psychedelic stuff tons of religious imagery and then we do our best to sort of wrap this up and equate this to sort of the creator's journey like and sort of like okay now we're transitioning into the real world and we're really kind yeah. of ending this and so it feels good to sort of have a positive Evangelion ending, which is not normal, but I don't know. What do you think about it? I, I need help, like, digesting this movie. <laughs> oh, I absolutely need help digesting this movie. Uh, <laughs> this movie's fucking insane. Um, I watched it in two sittings, uh, just because I made the mistake of starting it very late at night on the first sitting. Um, and I was, like, totally... I got totally sucked in, and I was totally ready to keep watching, but I told myself I should probably go to sleep. 
Um, so yeah, the first half was really interesting. I was like totally on board with what this movie was doing because I think in our last episode, uh, about 3.0, I was even saying, you know, one of my complaints is a lot of crazy shit will happen in this movie. And I keep asking myself, what does this mean? And when I say, what does this mean? Really what I'm saying is like, what does this mean for our characters? Like, what is the value of what is actually all of these gigantic ideas? Yeah. Um, in like the journey of our, our 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 characters um and also you know like what does it mean symbolically all that too but like really like the core is if i'm gonna if i'm gonna be invested in a story i need to know what it means to these characters um this movie feels like it kind of was a response to the last movie <laughs> like it felt like it was directly addressing some of the criticisms i i felt like we had um because we are getting into um you know ray her like how does she form her new sense of identity her new sense of self realizing that she is just kind of like a clone of ayanami uh this this new ray um i remember i think i even said like it'll be interesting to see how we develop uh on asuka with like her feelings of not really wanting to be around anyone but at knowing at the same time that she needs people um i feel like they kind of give her a little bit of backseat i don't think they give her the attention uh that the other characters get but yeah that like those elements are there um and yeah really this first half of this movie i was fucking completely on board with it because it it slows down it calms down it's not action focused we are just getting to see the characters be characters so we're getting to see the characters engage with other people and yeah, uh, that's exactly what i was looking for that was kind of gone from three and we get this great whole thing with we like we arrive at this like refugee like sort of city that's like all of the survivors from these impacts and they've sort of gathered together and i was really into that the um i think the dialogue with ray is a little clunky because she sort of has her entire personality mm -hmm. wiped and she's basically just asking questions yeah. the entire time what is thank you <laughs> what, what is, is good that? morning like that's a baby yeah. right <laughs> like, it's oh, a little oh. it's a little too weird but i, yeah. I feel like that character where that character ends up is in a very nice and interesting place yeah it's, um, tra it's tragic but it is definitely I, don't know, I was into it and so yeah i feel like there are like three sections and maybe i see it that way because i watched it in two sittings um there are kind of three sections to this movie one is at this um town where they are revisiting like old classmates and stuff who have you know it's been 14 years so these are adults now um and we're getting to see our characters actually engage with other characters uh, we're seeing dynamics and relationships. And then the middle of this movie is a large action sequence. And I almost like, okay, so <laughs> I, I put this movie away, like as soon as the action was about to start, because I was like, okay, they're going to get into some action. Maybe this will be a good thing to like start on the next time I sit down to continue the movie. I started on that at like 7 p.m. I almost fell asleep during the action because I just did not care. I did not care about any of the action that was unfolding. And yeah, then... I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And then the third part, it feels like it's kind of putting those hands together where we get this action sequence that is all about character and all about identity and all about yeah, relationships. Yeah. But it is com it is merged with action. Uh and it works. It yeah, works it's, it's really so well. great. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say, um, what did you think about sort of Shinji throughout this? Because that's one part of this movie where I feel like every Evangelion movie, sorry, every Evangelion movie does like one step forward, two steps back. At least with these rebuilds, where 
we have a Shinji like totally fine piloting these Avas, but by the time we get to the third and fourth movie, either people don't want him to do it because they don't trust him, or he like in this one, he's just like a ragdoll, and that was really frustrating for me when he's just like in the corner, he doesn't eat. As- Asuka's like shoving food in his mouth. He's just like, just eat, just do something. I don't know if it's if this is a commentary on depression or whatever, but just like watching Shinji just do nothing for that first hour was really tough. I I was totally fine with it. Because okay. to me, it's like this is a character who is just living in despair, in grief and pain. And like there have been times in my life where like I've suffered some like trauma, like, uh, you know, horrible, horrible events where I feel like I'm fucking comatose and I feel yeah. like I'm just going through life uh, like I'm being pushed and pulled by life. I'm not I have like no agency I don't want to make any decisions like I'm just kind of existing because I need to process and I need to like heal from that. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening here with Shinji. Um, And like to see him, you know, I guess that's now now I'm struggling to remember. (laughs) But it's like because we do the character ends up in a completely different space than where he started in this movie. And so like what is what is his motivation to getting to a place where he decides, okay, now is the time I'm going to like get into unit one. Uh, I'm going to pilot it. Um, do you remember what the, what initiates that? So the scene where it happens is like a scene that I'm not super a fan of because it kind of, I think it relies on uh, guns as a way to sort of push that to happen. It's like, he's having this conversation. Like they sort of get, there's this whole sequence where they infiltrate this extended scene where they are infiltrating this uh, old nerve headquarters mm-hmm. and they finally get to it and there's like the old unit one sort of there and there's like a conversation between um, I think it's uh, it's Gendo and then um, Masato? Another, yeah, yeah it's Gendo and Masato then, then Shinji shows up and then all the other crew members sort of showed up and then there's like a debate on like should he do yeah, it or not yeah they all and, have the guns pointed at him yeah, and, and that's one thing I want to mention. You mentioned in our Spirited Away conversation that you sort of came to this conclusion that if you were to approach this by trying to dissect every single um, spiritual thing or all of the imagery, that might be the like the incorrect way to approach in, in enjoying this movie. And I sort of felt that way while watching this. Well, it's like every time they bring up like wheelie or seal or like the impact or lilith or spears or lance of gaius i I just sort of check out i'm just like okay i don't care i don't really care about like the like the the sort of connecting the dots like i'm sort of like it's the last movie like you guys have sort of lost me (laughs) like i'm like i'm sort of conceded on understanding that and so like a lot of those inner workings i'm not super sharp on but i just know that i appreciate that we finally get to have shinji back inside of this ava and we sort of have this extended sequence at the end of this movie in the third act where it's shinji fighting against gendo and they're having this equal battle and then they just like decide okay fighting isn't going to solve this a conversation is going to yeah. solve this and that's like such a beautiful moment and like i don't know there's like all these little things that happen where it's like yeah, it's like uh, Miami, like her uh, ship, like the wheelie or, or the wonder is like trying to get to the nerve headquarters. And there's like this big extended sequence. But like, I don't know exactly like why or like how they're doing it. But I just know like, you know, the character stuff behind it. And, like, I'm just trying to latch on to that. And so with this, I think these movies are a little bit more easier to enjoy if I'm like just detached from the sort of, I don't know, the actual details of why these things are connected and kind of just focus on how do these characters feel about each other? And I think we yeah. do get to we do get to that point 
but yeah like just like the big spectacular sequences of like these ships like like the wonder sending more battleships into this like hell thing there's a moment where like the character risuko pulls out her cell phone and it's like a diagram of like the levels of like, yeah and i like laughed the anti-universe I was like, I was like you gotta be fucking kidding me it's like we're like an hour in like there's an hour left of this last movie and like you're gonna pull out a visual device that helps us connect to what's happening like we could have had 10 of those over the last four movies that would have helped us sort of understand what these gargantuan things these set pieces are happening but like for the character to pull that out sort of towards the end of this movie was just like laughable because i'm like okay like like i don't really care about the anti-universe it's cool to look at and it's cool to sort of ponder a little bit but as far as like the workings of it it's it's really hard to sort of latch on to and so when you have like all these characters pointing guns at each other like oh like no shinji you can't get in there because like you saw like i don't know it just it doesn't quite work for me because i'm just like i don't really know who these characters are like our shinji has gone through like three resets and so i'm just like i just want him to get in the machine like i don't really care who the person is trying to stop him i don't know if that's a good explanation or if that like sort of answers your question but when i was watching this i'm just like you know what like like I just I don't really I don't care too much, but I just want to see what happens, and that's a really weird way to sort of approach this movie. Well, it's like because it feels like a lot of the stuff about like the gates of Guff and like the spear of Longinus and yeah, the spear yeah. of Cassius, spear like of it, it's <laughs> it's setting, it is set dressing for like what actually matters, which is like the relationships yeah, <laughs> and yeah. like uh, exploring identity and. um uh, yeah, there was a point in this movie. So, like, Emily didn't watch the first half with me. Uh, we, I had the second half on. We were together, but she was, like, looking at her phone, and I was watching it subtitled. <laughs> so, yeah, like, she yeah. missed out on a lot of even the second half. But then at one point, she starts paying attention, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but, I, but I was like, no, this makes sense. <laughs> like, I was like, because like, I absolutely... It, it's like watching... So like it was like when I watched the uh, tragedy of uh, so the tragedy of Macbeth, yeah. where um, it like took me a while to get into the Shakespeare groove, where like I was actually yeah. like uh, understanding of like all the dialogue and stuff. Like that's how it kind of felt here. It was like, oh no, I was like, oh no, this makes sense. They're in the anti-universe where they cannot perceive it, so everything that exists yeah. around them only exists based on their memories. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I felt that way in the beginning when they basically like they're doing this whole thing with like, there. <laughs> I think it's like a series of angels. There's um, uh, the character Mari. She's piloting her Ava, and she like grabs the Eiffel Tower and like shoves the Eiffel Tower into like this thing, and I was just like. Like, this is just insane. Visually, this is just insane. But I do sort of understand that whenever Wheelie intervenes, they're basically undoing whatever happened in the the impacts. And so whenever they succeed, it goes from this red over, like, core overload or whatever, this coreization, core and then it turns back into regular Paris. And then we can see Paris's old nerve defenses reactivate. And I'm like, okay, like, I get it, like... They're just re they're undoing all of the chaos that has happened yeah. from all the stuff with the Avas. So at a very basic, abstract level, yes, I do understand what these characters are trying to do, but like it just gets kind of crazy. Um, one thing I do want to ask you that I, I think this movie does well is it sort of attaches the camera to like a certain part of the Ava or a certain part of like the machinery, and it'll stick with it. I forget what the actual term is when the camera is sort of sticking to something and. Like everything else is moving, but it's sort of stuck in one position. They do some the really weird stuff with the camera in this. 
Uh, like I want to say like gyroscope, but that's not the word for it. But it's like a like a gyro type of uh, yeah. movement. But I I really love when they do that, especially in the beginning, where like Mari's kind of like singing her like kind of like lullaby or song or whatever while she's trying to figure out how to like balance the movement of her Ava, and it's kind mm-hmm. of like rotating in this thing, and it's really cool because I was like, okay, she's trying to just figure out how this thing works, and it like it visually it looks really nice because it's not frantic. It, it sort of gives us a sort of point to sort of just kind of stick with and it yeah. does that a few times right like okay this is i feel like it's more visually uh restrained than uh, a few other movies i don't know it still gets big but i feel like it kind of i don't know like the, the scene the scene where it really stood out to me is when asuka's force feeding shinji because yeah, the yeah. camera it's doing like a handheld thing yeah and it's yeah, yeah. super erratic and it just so I, I, the whole time I was just like wondering how they did that <laughs> because it's like they have to be it has to be a CG scene right if they're able yeah. to swing the camera around like that and so we get scenes later on when uh, Shinji and Gendo are fighting where uh, and maybe maybe it's when he's talking to like Ray um, but like we get we get these shots of. Um, what look like cameras attached to PlayStation controllers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. With, like, yeah. monitors on them, I think. And I think what that is is it's a tool to figure out where you want a camera to be in a virtual space. So, like, one thing... Uh, I remember when they were doing Rogue One, one thing that they did is they created this virtual, like, space scene of, like, air- spacecraft fighting each other. And they, w- they created this thing where they could have... Um, gareth edwards like put a vr headset on and like use a vr controller to like basically handheld a camera in this virtual scene that's and so it's like i wonder if that's kind of what's happening here is like they have a virtual scene and they've developed this thing with like playstation controllers (laughs) to control the camera but um, maybe they do sort of show us that technology pretty specifically and that might be a way to sort of hinting at that but yeah like the way the way god that fucking fight scene at the end with Gendo is so fucking cool. It feels like a Charlie Kaufman movie or something. Cause it's just like, um, the whole Ava imaginary and that yeah. this has to take <laughs> place at the space where imagine what is imaginary and what is reality like converge. And so, um, like pulling back the curtain to like reveal the artifice of, uh, the anime itself as a show like this this doesn't exist like we are undoing yeah. the animation um but we're still gonna have the con like we're still gonna allow the characters to have this conversation because the ideas themselves exist <laughs> uh yeah. we're just using this art to explore these ideas um it's so fucking cool dude <laughs> no i'm i'm all in it like there was a point where like, I was honestly pretty stoned while watching this both times. I feel like and that's so... the only way to watch I was sober, but I was like, yeah. God, like, I'm doing something wrong. No, there's definitely a point of no return with, like, smoking weed and watching Evangelion movies because it's just, there's so much techno babble that it just, like, even, like, I get sort of caught up with, like, reading subtitles and then watching the actual frame and I get kind of, like, doing this back and forth where I'm always, like, a, a millisecond behind. But, like, uh, towards the end, there's a fantastic shot where basically like they're fighting and they're like they establish that hey like these avas are like identical they're yin and yang they're perfectly matched mm-hmm. and they have this moment where like they sort of blend them visually in this like kaleidoscope kind of thing where it's like shinji and gendo's faces like blending together with the avas it's like this whole like kaleidoscope thing where he's having this moment where like yeah we're equally matched 
this can just go on forever and this is not going to end. And in that moment where it just gets purely psychedelic, I'm, I was, I literally said out loud, I was like, finally, this is like the pure yeah. Evangelion that I was like waiting for where it just gets to this point where it's like, fuck you. We're going to go inside like this apartment or whatever and then break down the set walls and literally break this down to the, the animatic to where we're yeah. literally just seeing like just the drawings, no color. And it's really cool because it reminds me of end of, uh, the end of Evangelion, but just with a little bit of a more positive tone because with that, it's more chaotic and just kind of being like, like I don't know how to end this. We're just going to show you shots of audience members and just completely break down this anime. But here it's more, they sort of get to a more positive conclusion yeah. for Shinji and all the characters surrounding him. And it feels like, it feels like it's having its cake and eating it too of like, in a good way where it's like, the show we got to explore the psychology of all these characters and try and say something about like the subjectivity of reality. Uh, but that wasn't good enough for fans. So we ended up making this movie, <laughs> this like very like aggressive movie uh, as a response <laughs> to the fans who weren't happy. Uh, but like the, the movie takes place more within the plot and is more concerned with like, um, what I previously described as like set dressing, which is like the Ava's and the spears and all that shit. Um, and this is like, it's merging those two. So it's, it's able to explore the psychology of these characters while still doing it within the confines of like the set is created. It is not dropping the plot. Uh, it is making that just like absolutely part of the plot. Um, I I was gonna say, I love the reveal of Gendo's AT, AT field as a man. And, like, I didn't know what AT Field was until literally right now I looked up AT Field. It stands for Absolute Terror Field. And so oh, the yeah. idea that this is, like, for him, it's just a barrier that he puts up between him and other people. Like, uh, he doesn't want to... He's unable to connect with other people. That's, know, that's fucking that's cool. Really, <laughs> yeah, that's really cool because it also it helps recontextualize a lot of the big spectacular battles that we get with where, like, these characters sort of having these moments between these big machines but it's also like hey there's a philosophy here where it's like yeah it's like their fears are what is what's preventing them from sort of crossing that threshold that's yeah really cool. and i think that i think that's another thing that this movie does really well is that it all of the expository dialogue is kind of retextualizing a lot of the stuff that i didn't like about the previous movies because yeah, it's like yeah. I, is this the first time we actually get spelled out what human instrumentality project is mm-hmm. so it's like okay so now you can rewatch those other movies and there will be more of an emotional connection to like what is driving these characters. Yeah. That's also why I found it frustrating because I'm like, this is a lot of, I think it it ties into the fact that the third installment showed up in 2012 and this is 10 full years later. And I think that this is just a, clearly this is an artistic statement of like, Hey, we're closing this chapter. We're going to give you some things, but it's just impossible to sort of address every single one of these things and sort of satisfy everyone. And like, I don't know, like, by the time it ends, like, it ends on this such, like, a freeing, like, moment. Like, when the music starts playing, and I'm going to be, put all my cards on the table here again. I was crying by the time the <laughs> credits were rolling, because, like, the, the final line of the song, I'm going to pull it up, um, is, I think it's like, I love you more than you'll ever know. And it feels like the director is talking to the audience, where it's like, hey, like, you've spent 20 plus years with me and these characters, and we've gone through all of these, like, changes and everything. But, like, at the end of the day, like, hey, like like I'm connected to you guys and like, this is meaningful to me. And I, I, I don't know. It just meant a lot to me. And it yeah. just felt like uh, Hideo Kano speaking through the singer. Yeah. Uh, the song 
I wasn't a fan of the song. <laughs> Not a fan of the song. Ah, that's where we that's where we differ because yeah. I like a, I like a good um, Japanese EDM banger. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I just found I found the song. Like music in movies for me, I it's I have such uh, specific tastes when it comes to music that it's very hard for me to like be on board with a lot of things. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel that, and I also wanted to mention that I think this movie has a little bit of a nostalgia kind of issue, where I think it it does this thing in the first act where a lot of our uh, characters and classmates from the show show up, and they return in Shinji's life, and they're like, oh yeah, hey, like, hey Shinji, don't you recognize me? And I, it feels a little condescending when the characters like, don't you recognize him? Don't you recognize mm-hmm. me? Like, no, like we haven't seen these characters for three and a half movies. They haven't like have not showed up. They've aged. They've been different, and I don't know. It just feels a little weird that it. I don't, I'm I'm okay with it at a point, but it feels just like okay, you're kind of bringing in characters from the show to sort of do the nostalgia thing and to make it feel like we're having like the, our legacy characters show up to sort of fill in a little bit of space here. Uh, were you happy to see Pen Pen? <laughs> Potential uh, Pen Pen. <laughs> yes, I was happy to see Pen Pen. I I, I did. Did smile when Pen Pen showed yeah, up. Yeah, Emily was very relieved to see Pen Pen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that I did kind of get emotional when Gendo said, "So that's where you were, Yui." Uh, after him and Shinji have their encounter, like him and Shinji kind of like make amends, and then he says, "So that's where you were, Yui," and it's like, "Oh, okay." Like he this whole time he was trying to pursue this human instrumentality project. One of the motivations being a way to like uh you know reconnect with his late late wife but um if he would have just reconnected with his son the spirit of his wife lives on within her and she even shows up at the end and like wraps her arms around him in a scene that's very strange where with like the her her showing up as like an angel like piercing the ava with the spear was kind of i'm still i still gotta grapple with that one but uh yeah it's cool um yeah that's why it's, it's really tough for me to break into like the spear stuff or any of that like because it's just too well, one much, is you know? one is hope and one is <laughs> dis- despair <laughs> yeah totally um it, it, it's it, it works it works for me because emotionally it gets shinji to a point where he is sort of able to be happy with who he is and yeah like it visually looks really cool to sort of have the ava's arms break out of the ava grab the spear and stab itself like a seppuku kind of thing and there's definitely symbolic symbolic there's something there visually and it, it looks spectacular. And it's like, which spear's doing it? Like, what do the Evas symbolize? <laughs> like, because yeah. I was thinking about it, and it's like, well, in that second movie, like, Shinji pulls Rei out of an angel, and they become a divine being together. It is the power of their love that turns them into a god. <laughs> yeah. Like, this movie is dealing with some pretty huge shit. <laughs> yeah, in this In a one, very grand right? fashion. We're having our spectacular scene where, like, Wheelie is going down to infiltrate this nerve headquarters inside of this giant... I love, like, the giant vortex is explained to be a bunch of ships that are just, like, Mm. really tightly near each other. But, like, they sort of... There's a great moment where they all, like, spread out. And we sort of get, like, this Eye of the Storm moment where we, like, look at the old Tokyo 3. And I was like, oh, that's just really cool, epic visualization. 
But yeah, it continues on, and there's this moment where Asuka is kind of like down there doing something. I don't know exactly what, but she pulls a fucking angel out of her eye. Like, with yeah, that patches. was fucking. I was like, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> I was, it, all right, I was, I was like, like, is there sick. a pilot inside of her face? Like, what is happening? Yeah, anytime something incomprehensible happens, I'm just like, sick. This is cool. Like, I, I it's, it looks really dope. I feel like it's a reference to Fully Cooly, which I didn't know was made under the same. Uh, made by Gainax that also made oh, yeah. the uh, the series, which is like, oh, that might Hopefully be a good, rad, yeah. yeah, like a cool visual reference to those characters literally pulling shit out of their faces. I remember seeing that as a teenager, and that just completely fried my brain. I was like, wait, wait, yeah. like, I'm like, wait a minute, this whole thing's their, about puberty? <laughs> they're pulling stuff out of their eye sockets? <laughs> That's scary to me. Yeah, it's just, it's just a mindfuck, and I don't know, it's just really cool and spectacular, and the colors are fantastic, and it's really psychedelic but like i say like the the nitty-gritty of the actual details i'm just like i don't know exactly what is happening i just know it looks really cool yeah um anything else on evangelion i feel like we could talk about like motherhood it feels like it's a big theme in here um yeah i do i feel like i should say that i do think these movies at the end of the day they have a problem with like the female body and the gaze and i, I just it just really stuck well, with me in this one there's just like so many crotch shots and just like butt, butt shots, shots in yeah. this where it's just like <laughs> like like i i understand like yeah like you're dealing with characters that are like at this point they're adults and they're like cool they have sexuality that's fine but like just but the, a lot of them are still in the bodies of 14 year olds <laughs> the like the sea of uh headless like white like mannequin kind of thing that was like quite yeah, an was, image to digest i was just like i don't know what i'm supposed to be processing here which is like you have ray's head in the background there's just like a sea of like mannequin bodies i'm just like it's just like it's just overwhelming i'm just like i don't really quite know well, how to process this so part of this movie is for a large chunk of this movie asuka is just like hanging out in her underwear with like a t-shirt on like an, a yes. button up uh open jacket no bra yeah and it's weird because it feels like the way Asuka's body is treated is she's almost not sexualized. Like, like, uh, uh, hear me out. <laughs> so uh, when Shinji shows up at his friend's place, his friends from high school, Asuka's there. She's naked. Uh, she says something to Shinji, like expecting a reaction. Uh, she like kind of calls him out for not reacting to it. And then the high school friend walks in and... He kind of treats her nudity as like nothing. Uh, yeah. It's normal, and so it's it's minimi- It's not sexualizing her nudity. It's sort of minimizing it. Um, what are you What are you gonna say? Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 with you on that, but I think it also ties into and, and bear with me on this. It kind of ties into like a low key kind of fake male fantasy. Like, oh yeah, like when girls hang out, they just they don't wear shirts ever. Like, it's just like I don't know. It's there's this there's an intersection of functionality and fashion where it's just like there's nothing functional and practical about asuka hanging out inside of like i i get that that is something that happens but it just doesn't seem i, I don't know it just feels like it's written from the perspective yeah. of a man where it's just like yeah of course it's a woman relaxing so she's not going to be wearing a shirt where it's just like i i i kind of get it but like also yeah. it's just like you have to understand where like that's just kind of problematic in nature yeah i mean it also because like to me it feels like it's a it's trying to say something about that character and where that character's at which yeah, is yeah like like he said like they're very relaxed like they don't give a shit <laughs> like there's like i'm here to protect this city i'm not here to work um 
Yeah, and she sees it that way. Nausicaa is definitely dominant in that way. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, and I think, like, I want to also, like, be conscious of, like, okay, how much of it is a cultural difference? Uh, because this isn't an American content. But at the same time, it's a fucking 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's, like, the whole thing where Mari, like, putting her eyes over Shinji, like, who is it? Like, oh, it's yeah. a girl, big boobs and cute. Like, it's like, yeah, that's, those are the two ways you describe yourself perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, there's this whole subreddit ded dedicated to, like, men writing women oh badly. And it's oh, yeah, whole, yeah, this whole, that, yeah. It's this whole thing of just, like, yeah, like, she's hanging out. And, of course, she doesn't have a shirt on. It's like, yeah, like, girls like hanging out with shirts on, too. Like, I, I, I do, <laughs> like, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else on Evangelion? Um, like I say, I think this movie had an insane amount of things on its shoulders. I think it reminds me, we were sort of talking about this when we had the picnic about, like, um, like, like this is kind of like uh, on Star Wars level as far as, like, Japanese anime is, uh, is concerned. And I do feel that where it's like, if I had to make an Evangelion movie, I don't know if I'd be able to make something better than the ones that exist already because there's just so much. How do you fucking do this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how do you approach this world? How do you approach this dense lore? How do you approach these iconic characters and do it justice? And so I think this, can, with all of that considered, with the show considered, the mo the first movie, the three movies that came before this, and then the ten year gap between three and four, there's clearly like a lot of weight and thought that kind of went into this and i think that what we get is a nice sweet ending like i say the ending switching from animation to um real uh to live action really worked yeah, for me and i was cool. really into that and it really aligned shinji with hideyako and sort of this whole like he being hesitant and like I, th I sort of feel that like hey like i made this massive thing and i have all this responsibility and i don't know how to handle this and the emotional weight to that is massive thing. yeah at the end like i say i'm not ashamed to admit that this movie had me emotional, had me in tears at the end of it, because I was like, yeah, this reminds me of just the ups and downs of being with this show. Even with a short period of time, I still feel really attached to Evangelion and attached to these characters. And I think the send-off was really sweet and really sentimental. Um, did you ever watch Synecdoche, New York? Yeah. Okay, because that's like what this kind of reminded me of at the end, because... What I really love that that movie does is it's and like what Charlie Kaufman kind of he he also did in um I'm thinking of ending things is it's all about like externalizing the internal so mm -hmm. it's like what is the internal experience of a character and how does that represent itself in the external world like how does that define their real the reality that they navigate um yeah. and in a way that like we as the audience can perceive <laughs> um. Yeah, adaptation. <laughs> yeah, and so, ha like, this whole... I feel like the anti-universe idea in this movie is, like, the smartest thing this movie could have done, where it's just, like, yeah. the fight takes place in a world that cannot be perceived by these characters, and so what they can perceive is just built on their memories, because... And then, ah, yeah, it's just a nice, like way to uh segue into like the complete deconstruction of the show itself yeah. uh to just being like a very poetic statement um i don't know my buddy he used to talk about uh this is gonna maybe kind of be kind of weird but he he i remember him telling me that uh 
he, my buddy who's a composer, he was studying music. He said that a professor told him writing music isn't about writing for an instrument. It's about creating an instrument. Mm-hmm. And it took okay. me a long time to understand what that meant. And so, like, what I, I think it means is, like, you're creating a system. And you are exploring all that that system is capable of producing. Um, and what you have to do is when you... Uh, you have to f- find a way to also transcend that system and to find a way to break the rules of the system that you have created. Yeah, so it's yeah. not thinking outside of the box. It's building a box, completely exploring everything that box is capable of, and then destroying the box, um, transcending the box. Um, and I feel like, yeah, th- this movie kind of does that in a really interesting way, and it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this is a really solid Evangelion movie. After I finished it, I was like, this is challenging, but overall, this was very much in line with what I sort of what my mind goes to what I imagine what this series embodies and it just does that really well or it just it's not easy it's not like you know this isn't something you can sort of just sort of tread water in like either you go full into or you don't like it's it's really hard to sort of kind of just absorb this on the the surface level because it's just so dense yeah cool um what have you been watching lately um all right so this week wanted to mention well it was valentine's day on monday so you know i had to watch a romantic film so i put on a uh, darkest hour <laughs> okay <laughs> carrie oldman um i don't know why i i, I just i think i have a, a connection to a war films and that kind of thing and it, this movie works as a nice companion piece of dunkirk i'm a big fan of dunkirk and full land air sea three sort of stories told simultaneously approached to that movie and it's a great story about just getting these soldiers out of Paris and into London safely. In Darkest Hour is a really great, intense movie that sort of is on the political side of that, where you have Gary Oldman doing a really fantastic Winston Churchill, and just, like, he won the Oscar for Best Actor that, that year, and I think it's pretty well-deserved, even though it was a really stacked year, like a lot of great actors. I think, like, Daniel Kaluuya, Daniel, uh, Denzel Washington was nominated mm-hmm. that year. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis was nominated for... Um, um, uh, Phantom Thread. Okay. <laughs> he was not made for Phantom Thread. So yeah, it was a really stacked year that year, but his performance is fantastic. And despite like a few scenes that are like aren't that great, the the movie is really good. And if you're ever in the mood for like a war kind of movie and like a period piece, I think it's a really good one. It is very firmly in the category I like to call it like the old white man arguing ah. in bunkers kind of thing. It's like if it's, it reminds me of like Chern- <laughs> Chernobyl or like. I don't know, these movies where it's kind of just like it's political war set pieces they're not based on the action it's not saving private ryan yeah we're having you know characters shooting at tanks diplomacy dying dying in each other's arms yeah it's literally it's diplomacy and speeches and I, I don't know i don't know why i like that kind of shit but i'm a sucker for a good monologue and a really good performance and i think there's a lot of that in that movie but another thing that's on the opposite end of the spectrum i watched uh black mirror bandersnatch have you ever seen that? oh yeah yeah i, I saw bandersnatch yeah, I never watched it when it showed up, and I'm really regretting that I didn't, like, catch on to it when it was in that Black Mirror kind of buzz, because I had a lot of fun watching yeah. it, and there's, it's really cool. I think it's a, a brilliant, like, uh, choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing, and the way that Netflix does it was really seamless, and it, it says it's, like, an hour-and-a-half experience, but you can easily sit down there for two hours. Yeah, sort of just, just fuck around, make some yeah. changes, yeah. 
Yeah, so when you played it, did you, like, get to the scene where you fight your therapist? <laughs> I think I did, yeah. I, there was definitely, I, I found an action scene, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really fun one where, yeah, it just takes a weird turn. It gets a little Totally meta. different genre, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like, like, why are, if you're watching something, why would you want to watch a conversation at a therapist's office? Don't you, don't you want more action? And then the option is, yeah, or fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> the therapist pulls out two police bat- batons and starts fucking swinging at you. I just thought that was fucking so fucking great and really enjoyed it. And I, if people have been joking about the times recently have been so dark that we don't really need Black Mirror anymore. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm itching to sort of revisit it because there's a lot of episodes that I actually haven't seen. I think I've only seen like five or six at the total. Like I haven't seen all of the seasons all the way through. I've only seen like the a couple of the big episodes. So I'm looking to go back and revisit it. Um, did you hear about what MoviePass is doing? Yeah, sketchy. <laughs> they want to track your eyeballs <laughs> to make sure you're watching ads. Um, yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> I'm really curious to like see how you could trick it though. Like, could I just like? I remember hearing. So I worked at a company that had photos on your like badges to like get in and out of buildings, mm-hmm. and um, there were some rooms where you had to scan your eyes. You had to do a retinal scan to get into these like very secure rooms. And some users found that if you just took a person's photo from their badge and you blew it up and you put it in front yeah. of, uh, yeah, you could get in. And so I'm like wondering, like, if I just put a photo of myself in front of my phone, could I get free movie tickets? Uh, Or if I (laughs) like, let's say, like, I work from home all day. Let's say I just mount my phone behind my laptop, but like leave the camera part poking out over the top of it. I'm looking at my laptop all day. Maybe I can get away with like making them think I'm watching ads. Um, So yeah, maybe I'll sign up. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Uh, See if I can um, trick them. Yeah, that whole movie passing is really trippy. I know it's funny because I never did movie pass when it first showed up. You were a big fan mm-hmm. of it, and I like the golden age, man. <laughs> yeah, like I hear I hear the stories. I'm like, yeah, the company's gone through so many changes. Also, I just want to mention um, Will Poulter is in Bandersnatch. He puts he has like a really good performance, and he also got recently cast in like a Marvel thing. Oh so, yeah, is he gonna be to um, Adam Warlock? Is that what yeah. It is? yeah, yeah. And, he, like, he's really good in Bandersnatch. Like, the scene that you sort of... I won't spoil it for those who are listening, but the scene where you sort of get to know more about his character is, like, the best part about that entire thing. It's, it's a really, really fucked up drug scene where you do acid with him. But, yeah, did that. And then, uh, lastly, I finished Asada, and I just wanted to mention that um, there's this great thing towards the end where, essentially, sort through, like, the hardships of all of the stuff going through this emotional journey and towards the end she has this really hard scene with her daughter her daughter comes to visit her and like the daughter's like why can't you just escape prison and she's like i can't because these bars are like iron like, yeah. I, and she's like just like, go like try to escape and she like has like this whole emotional breakdown and then after that she's like you know what like i'm done and then like the chapter goes the next chapter she's like okay so now i'm going to talk about havana cuba and i was like wait a second like they skipped over the entire escape and yeah. actually thought that that was really powerful and really meaningful to sort of just to focus on yeah. the political, the social political aspects of America, the prison system in America and the contrast to going to Cuba was really beautiful and to sort of skip over, like there's clearly an action movie. There's like yeah. a really cool story there between like Asada breaking out of prison, but that's not what the book is. That's not yeah. the focus of the book. That's not what the book is about. The book is not about glamorizing this escape from this, tragic fucking horrible institution yeah. it's about 
the contrast between how America treats the citizens and how Cuba, and, and uh, it's just a really beautiful moment where I was just like kind of reflective on like what I was looking for. And I think it sort of tied back to Evangelion a little bit when we were talking about end of Evangelion and Hideyako sort of criticizing the uh, the viewers sort of sexualizing the characters and be like, hey, like this is something you have expressed desire of, but we're going to sort of mock and criticize mm-hmm. you for doing that. And here it's like there's just like this absence of it and just like that absence of it spoke so much more than its inclusion. Yeah, so that's that interesting. Book sort of blew my mind in the same way that the autobiography of Malcolm X blew my mind when I read it like two or three years ago and can't recommend it enough. So yeah, the next thing I'm doing is um, a series of essays from James Baldwin called Notes of a Native Son. So I'm looking forward to kind of doing some more short form reading. Cool. Yeah, that's about it for me. What have you been doing this week? Let's see. I started watching this Netflix show. I actually finished watching it. Uh, it's only one season. Murderville? Have you heard of Murderville? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you watch that? Yeah, I watched all of Okay, them. yeah. I think it's a really <laughs> good idea. I think it really just comes... So So for the listeners, what Murderville is, is it's um, a detective show where Will Arnett plays a detective. Every episode, he's trying to solve a murder. And every episode, a celebrity guest joins as his new partner, and they don't have a script. And so he, so Will Arnett guides them to the murder scene. They take a look at the murder scene. They interview three suspects. And at the end, the celebrity guest has to guess who committed the murder. Um, yeah. <laughs> they have to tie it all together. And it's a fun show because you as the audience are also kind of invited to like, you know, pay attention to the crime scene, like pay attention to what's going to what the um, suspects are saying, because you might be able to guess the murder at the end. Um, but it's also, like I said, the, the guests are kind of improvising through this whole thing. So I think what really works on this show is I just want to see more guests get on here. I want to see like, yeah. I want to see Paul F. Tompkins be a guest. I want to see Andy Daly be a suspect and Lauren Lapkus be a suspect. Yeah, uh, definitely. The suspects, I feel like, is where they can have so much room. Like I said, Rob Hubel playing triplets was, like, yeah. perfect. Like, I think that's just so genius. David Wayne playing a magician? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that was great. Um, uh, what What was your favorite? Marshawn Lynch killed it. Like, yeah, he, yeah. Was the, he was the <laughs> so best good. guest. Um, yeah. Like I said, there's so much mileage with being just genuine and be like, yeah, like, yeah whatever yeah. you say, like, I'm going to do. And, and just like, bringing it so... 100%, <laughs> like, giving yeah. yourself over to, like, yeah, I, like, yes and. You just fucking go along yeah, with it. Improv is, is, is yeah. the game of yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I finished that. Um, I also, I don't know if we talked about the Boba Fett finale. No. But um, I, because I, I kind of skimmed through it because I was like, eh, I don't really care. Like, I just want to kind of know what happens. And then you mentioned we we went on a picnic with some friends. Uh, our friend Eric was saying like, "Oh, you should you should really revisit it, uh, really give it a watch." So I gave it a watch, and <sighs> like I was just bored. Um, <laughs> I think one of the problems is it, it, I was bored, but I, I came away feeling like I had learned something, which is that action scenes give you an opportunity there's so much opportunity for story in action which is like yeah. you get to explore character dynamics you get to explore you know having someone become a leader uh having characters learn and like reassess like having them fail reassess and then succeed um book of boba fett we have the mods and like the the village people the villagers <laughs> uh they're getting shot at they're 
hunkered down and they're shooting at this large robot that is protected by a shield and their shots aren't doing anything to the shield. One of the mods says, I'm going to go up to that vantage point, goes up to the vantage point, continues shooting at the shield, <laughs> which does nothing. So it's like, okay, so the character, like good for them reassessing tactics. Like that, yeah. that's there. There's a story happening there. The character's learning something, trying to do something new, but the character hasn't learned anything. They just moved locations. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the fucking Rancor shows up, whatever, destroys the shield. As soon as the shield's down, no one's shooting. <laughs> so, so it's just, it just, it, it is mindless action. It is not yeah, thoughtful. Um, I just could not get into it. And I'm not sure, did you watch the episode where they introduced, like, the street gang and their speeders? Uh, I feel like I did. I probably wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah, because, like, the people are joking, like, yeah, like, they're setting up, oh, yeah, it's going to be a chase scene through Oh, I did see the chase whatever. scene. It was really yeah, good. I fast-forwarded like, like, <laughs> Yeah, it, like, that's probably the best way to do yeah. it. Because, yeah, it's just super slow, and, like, these speeders yeah. are just going, like, really, I, like, it's... <laughs> like, Emily and I were watching the chase scene, and I was like, this is really bad. And she was like, yeah. And so I was like, I just want to get this over with. So I just fast-forwarded through it. Like, I felt, yeah, like, I felt shame for watching it. It's tough because the last episode is literally one large sequence yeah. of just kind of going from one set piece to the other of them defending the city. And yeah, for a bit of it, I'm like, oh yeah, they're going to do something clever, like dig under the sand or like find a way to, to like break down these shields. But no, there's just shooting and running for just the entire yeah. time. It's like, God damn, like how long can this last? had it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Tell a fucking story with your action. I do like the shot where they sort of do the jetpack thing and fly up and yeah, start shooting when they, people. That's when I was like, finally, like, let's like, give us more of this. Cool jetpacks, yeah. But then they land in the square, and they're just in the middle of the square. They're not taking cover. They're just getting shot yeah. at. I'm like, alright. Like, when your whole show is an action sequence, look, I'm not, I don't think, I don't like when people nitpick action. Like I, like I said, I loved The Last Jedi. I like the scene in the throne room. People picked that apart, and like, they revealed some problems in that scene. But it's a quick scene, and in that scene, I'm not really thinking about the problems with the choreography because I'm excited about what this means for the characters. Yeah. When the whole fucking show is an action sequence, you gotta think about like what you're doing in this action sequence. What there's gotta be some fucking story here. There's gotta be something yeah. happening with the characters. Um, yeah, your your main character is a bounty hunter who has a reputation for being the most deadly, badass bounty hunter in the galaxy. For vaporizing people. <laughs> so I might want to put a little more focus on those action sequences. Um, like I, I, I think it's like basically it's like Mandalorian season two point five. Like it wasn't quite the Book of Boba Fett. It wasn't quite the Mandalorian. It's just a middling kind of. Marvel connective tissue piece of entertainment, which is a bummer for Boba Fett, but I don't know. I think it'll make the, I, I don't know. Actually, I, I'm not sure. I think it skipped some, some things like reuniting uh, Jin and maybe Yoda. I feel like that should have been a moment for the main show. Like, I think yeah. it rushed to that the same way it rushed to him taking his helmet off to make a connection to, to Grogu. I felt like that should have been something that we really built up to. It kind of got thrown in there. So so was Grogu flying that X-wing? Is that what's going on? Or did... I thought R2 was flying. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was like, R2 Luke was there. Who was, who was flying that thing? <laughs> so great. Yeah, and also um 
uh, Fennec just hanging somebody. I, I wanted to mention that at the um, when we were talking about it at the picnic, because I was like, yeah, that was like a moment that was really brutal that I really liked. Some fans don't quite like when characters go to extreme. Was that at the very like, end? Yeah, it's like she just shows she kills up, and all just those gangsters. kills, like kills all the people. And I was like, like cool, like I'm, I'm into that. Like I'm totally fine with her stepping up and just erasing that plot line. Like that establishes her character as more of a ruthless person. Yeah, it wraps this up nicely, and it feels like that is the dynamic between her and Boba Fett. Is that like he wants to be a good leader, level headed, and she's just like, yeah. fuck, quit pissing around. <laughs> Actually, yeah, fucking no, she'll go something. hang somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, let's go break some necks. Like, that's why the, the jetpack scene is so fun. I'm just like, okay, like, finally, just, just let loose yeah. and just go crazy. You don't have to be bloody, but, like, let these characters be violent. Like, that's kind of the unfortunate part about Disney+. Yeah. Plus. He was I a villain. Kind of, <laughs> like, pulling, let him be a villain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah. Okay, well, I think it's a good time to bring up, we're going to start talking about the Best Picture noms now that we're done with Evangelion. We're going to be moving on to the Best Picture noms. There's 10 from this year. I'm going to run through the list. So, now that we're done with Hideako Anno's Evangelion Rebuild franchise, we're moving on to the Best Picture nominees for the uh, 95th Academy Awards. So, these are the nominees. We have Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Cool. We're going to break those up and cover those next. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what the uh, schedule is going to be. But um, Yeah, so I've seen four of those. I've seen two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... um. Yeah, I know someone who I know someone who said if we ever do a licorice pizza episode, they'd like to discuss it. So maybe okay, we'll come on. That's cool. I'm guessing the two that you've seen are Dune and Licorice yeah. Pizza. Okay, yeah, I've seen those two, and then King Richard and Don't Look Up. All right, looking forward to that. Cool. Oh, um, yeah, not looking forward to Don't Look Up. Looking forward to I feel like that might be this year's. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Drive My Car. I think that's the one I'm looking the most forward to. I want to see that really badly. Nightmare Alley is on HBO Max, and so that's going to be good. Kind of lukewarm about West Side Story. I don't know. I mean, like, Spielberg knows how to make a fucking movie. I feel like we kind of take Spielberg for uh, for granted a little bit. True. That That is a good point. I would agree with that. Like, that guy is fucking movie. <laughs> yeah there was a moment a few years ago i was like we're smoking weed at my house and i was like i'm gonna put on a movie i put on jaws and then my roommate he was like making fun of it oh, but dude, i was just like this good. like this isn't scary movie like we're not like jaws is like good <laughs> yeah <laughs> these are like this is one of those movies you don't make fun of because like yeah it's a shark movie but like make fun of jaws three not jaws one like come on man i um me and a few friends like went to go visit some buddies in denver and like me and my buddy Francis are like sleeping on the couch in the living room. It's like late. We're like, oh, we should throw a movie on. Like, I don't know why. It's already late. <laughs> but like, we threw a movie on and we threw Jaws on and we didn't go to sleep. We just like, we were like, yeah. this is really fucking, I had never seen it before. I was just, this is really, really good. Like, yeah, like Spielberg is for sure masterclass level. I, I think it's just the story of West Side Story that I'm just not super yeah. enthusiastic about. I'm not sure. I don't think I've seen the original all the way I through. I know we did a remake for the Cinema Collective oh, yeah. um, sophomore year of West Side Story. 
two minute remake. Post. <laughs> I wonder if I could find that. But uh, yeah, we're yeah we're like having a standoff inside of the SFSU parking lots, snapping at each other. Good times. All right. Well, I think that's all for episode seventy three. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at vaguezonepod at gmail dot com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or franchise suggestions, if you have any comments about the best picture nominees that we're going to be covering over the next couple of weeks, you can tweet at us on Twitter at vaguezone. Let us know what you're watching or what you're interested in, and we'll join the conversation with you. Yeah. So we'll catch you on the next one. I'm Thomas Daniel, and have a good night.